Hi, and thank you for tuning into the Minority Report, a podcast dedicated to highlighting minority voices. I am your host, Gabby Osted, and today I will be welcoming Mrs. Sarah Gutnick. She and her husband created Friendship Circle on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Friendship Circle is a nonprofit whose goal is to provide every individual with special needs the support, friendship, and inclusion that they deserve. I'm excited to dive into minority work within my own community this episode and learn about the great change community leaders in my area of New York are initiating. This episode will highlight people's ability to be proactive by filling the void where they see a need in society. Hi, Mrs. Gottnick. Thank you so much for joining me on my show today. I'm so excited for our conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. My first question is, can you please describe the work that Friendship Circle does and the community it serves to my listeners and explain how you started your work with Friendship Circle initially? So Friendship Circle is here for the needs of the special needs community, specifically the Jewish special needs community. We service kids, teens, and young adults with special needs, as well as providing support for their families. So we're here for all of their needs, whatever they may need. But one need we identified that's a big gap in their lives is a social gap. They don't have a lot of social opportunities like peers their age. And to fill that gap, the model that we use is to utilize volunteers from the community. So we utilize teen volunteers to work with our, to hang out, play, connect with our kids and teens with special needs. And we have so many programs. We have sports programs and art programs and, and trips and different, you know, different sort of mediums. But the ultimate goal is that we're pairing volunteers with participants and with people in our programs so that they can hang out, get to know each other and have a great time. And we also have a very large, strong base of young adult volunteers that volunteer with the young adults with special needs. So that's our model. And it's been amazing. And we've really been able to build a community here on the Upper East Side and in Manhattan. So it's a very personal journey. I've been involved with Friendship Circle my whole life because my youngest sister, Bracha, has Down syndrome. Um, And when she was born, well, let me back up. My parents run the Chabad of the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And they you know, they run so many different programs. They have a mikvah and a shul and a Hebrew school, all sorts of programs to service the Jewish community here. And then Bracha was born, my youngest sister, and she had Down syndrome and there was no programs for her. There was, you know, my mother looked around, there was nothing, nowhere for her to go. You know, she had so many therapies, she had so much going on, great school, all of that, but no friends, no social opportunities. So my mother and my parents started the friendship circle on the Upper East Side, and they used this model of pairing volunteers and lots of programs and creating a community where, you know, these kids were celebrated and accepted. And then a a couple years ago, my husband and I saw an opportunity to really grow it and make it bigger and better. So we took it over and the rest is history. Thank you so much for sharing that personal story. Was Friendship Circle your first exposure to working with the disability community? So like I said, because Bracha was my sister, I have a personal experience with it. And I was able to see firsthand all the, all the therapists coming through and experience what it felt like from a family perspective to have a child with special needs in the family. So that's, 
that was definitely my first exposure, my family history. But then working with, you know, the special needs community at large, definitely. What led you and your husband to take over the Upper East Side branch? And what led your parents to create the Upper East Side branch? And how has your outreach grown since Friendship Circle Upper East Side was created? So my parents started it for my sister Bracha and because they saw a need. They saw a need in the community that was not being met. Then they firsthand experienced, you know, the need. They needed it for their kid. And then they, you know, they were in that community suddenly and they saw you know, there's nothing for these kids. Um, and then my husband and I took it over because we are passionate about change and changing and filling a need and community. We're passionate about the Jewish community. And we just saw a huge opportunity here to really make a difference. And um, our out, okay, and how we've grown. So it's been amazing to see the growth over the past few years. You know, like if you build something that really need, there is a need for something and you create it, people come because, you know, you're not like, you don't have to convince people. It's just so on all sides, it's been very positive. So many people want to do good in the community. So many kids need this. People want to feel like they belong somewhere. People want to feel like they're accepted for who they are. So we've seen tremendous growth in numbers. And we've seen a tremendous growth in our leadership and in our um, uh, funds we've been been able to raise just every year more and more growth. Thank God. It's so amazing that you've been able to grow your surroundings and really reach out to more people. Speaking of which, I'm sure that with growth came a couple of challenges what have been your biggest challenges while working with Friendship Circle and what have been the most rewarding aspects? So I, I can pick many from each category, many challenges, many rewarding parts, but I guess I'll just focus on one of each. So like you said, with growth, the biggest challenge for us has been space. You know, the city's limited in terms of space. And um Till now, what we've been doing successfully, thank God, is partnering with the shoals, the schools, you know, local centers. And by doing so, we actually were able to build partnerships with people, with, you know, institutions that already exist in the community. And that's been very positive. The challenging part of that is that you're in someone else's space. So it's not custom made for your needs. It's not custom made for your kids' needs, for your, you know, for your demographic our dream is to have a space that has sensory rooms, that has a big gym that takes into account all of the needs of our community, a, you know, fully accessible entrance, a calm room, for, you know, for the kids that need that, that, you know, that are too stimulated and they need a calm space. So the biggest challenge has been moving around so much and not being, you know, using all the, the host locations but I think it's not an insurmountable challenge. I think, God willing, we will have a space, but that is the current challenge. And the most rewarding part, there's so many, honestly, but the one that I will choose is I love we, when, when we hear the feedback from people that, you know, I don't feel judged here. I feel so normal. This is my happy place. The, you guys are my best friends. When we hear that, it's like everything is exactly what we're going for. It's exactly our goal. It's exactly what we're trying to create. And then when you hear it just echoed back to you without you asking, that's lovely. And also, 
So this, okay, this is really rewarding is when we see, I see teen volunteers or, or young, young adult volunteers that when, when I interview them, when I meet them, they're so nervous. The first time they come, they're so nervous. They don't know what to do. They're very apprehensive. You know, they're very not uncomfortable. They just, they feel like out of their element and they're like, they're just scared. Like, and I hear, I've heard this so many times, you know, like, People were like, when I first volunteered, I was shaking. I had no idea what I was, you know, they were so scared. They didn't know what to expect. And then a few weeks later, literally after only a few sessions, a few weeks later, I'll happen to like pass by and peek in and I'll see, you know, this teen volunteer that was shaking a few weeks prior. They're laughing with their buddy. They're giggling. They're being silly. They're being casual. They're talking about their plans for the weekend and that just warms my heart, you know, because that's exactly what we're trying to accomplish. Everyone thinks that other people are so scary and they're so different from me and what's, you know, what are they like and how am I going to handle it? And then when you experience it firsthand, you're able to really see that you can do it and that it's all good. You got this. It must be so nice to see those relationships develop and ultimately see the buddy and the friendship circle participant form great bonds with one another. It is the most beautiful thing. Question, how does friendship circle advocate for the needs of individuals with special needs? It's a great question. And I would say the answer is that we have a philosophy And in everything that we do, we infuse our philosophy, you know, just because that's the reason that we do what we do. So it really makes its way. And our philosophy is that every person in this world has a mission. Every person in this world is here for a reason. Everyone has a divine purpose and we all have a piece of God in us. And therefore within us is perfection. And we don't we know one person is not more worthy than another person. One person is not more important than another person. And we really get this across in everything that we do. And that's our whole approach at Friendship Circle is that everyone has a purpose. Everyone is here. We're here to help everyone reach their full potential. And therefore, you know, when, when our volunteers come and they volunteer and they experience that and they, they you know, we do training sessions and we do educational events uh, that's a big part of what we do. These volunteers or these families that experience this uh, philosophy firsthand, they're never the same. They're never going to, these people that grow up and go out into the world, they're never going to come across an individual with special needs or any individual, hopefully, and think and other them or think less of them. So our, our way that we advocate for the special needs community is boots on the ground, changing perceptions, educating people about the divinity of each person, that each person is divine and is here for a reason. And therefore everyone should be treated with respect. Everyone should be treated with dignity. And we're all, everyone is part of the community. We all belong. Such a nice outlook that you guys carry. Building on that question, how do you guys educate people within the community about the needs of the special needs community and the work that you do for them? So we are very strong in leadership. We believe in leadership. You know, we can advocate all we want, my husband and I, or, you know, anyone that works for us, we can advocate all we want, but it will only go so far. We'll only reach our circles. The best way that we know how to get our message out is through other people that feel passionate about what we do, 
that have volunteered at Friendship Circle, get involved or hear about Friendship Circle, experience it and think it's worth, it's an idea that's worth spreading. And they are our ambassadors. So we have, um, we have teen leaders, we have young adult leaders, and that's how we get our message out and really spread the word and spread the message that we do. And in addition, of course, we have many educational events and speakers and training and, and professionals. And like I said before, it's through personal experience that really brings the biggest change. So when people come to a Friendship Circle event or they sign up to a program and they're volunteering consistently, that's the best way to create change on the ground. I love that you're able to harness community unity through Friendship Circle and really bring the community at large together. Earlier in our conversation, you mentioned the growth. Can you please pinpoint some specific examples of how you've seen Friendship Circle Upper East Side grow over the years? Yes, very concretely. We just have many more members. So just more people joining every year more volunteers than ever. Every year we have had a growing number of volunteers, more programs. Also, the more we're here, the more we're seeing, you know, what else, you know, once we have a a area down pat, like social, I think, thank God we're offering a lot of social programs, but because our, our mission statement is to be here for the special needs community, there's so many more needs. And therefore every single year we add more programs and more filling more needs, doing more and servicing more. And so, for example, you know, in the first years, the first year there was programs every other week. And then we were like, why every other week? So then we started doing every week for each demographic. So at this point, there's, and then even more than once a week. So at this point, for each demographic, so for kids, there's not a program once every two weeks. There's programs a few times a week. For teens, for young adults, the same thing. And we'll talk about COVID in a second, but, you know, like things change, you know, times change and you always need to adapt and do different things to service your community. And that's what we are continuing to strive to do is continue to think of new ways and more ways to service the needs. Because you touched on COVID, I'd love to speak about that for a little You mentioned that a lot of the work that Friendship Circle does is on the ground, in person, social activities. But in light of the current pandemic, how has your work changed as a result of the pandemic? Are you still holding all the same events and keeping in touch with the recipients of Friendship Circle? So, yes, you know, we I like to say that we're we're just as busy, but we just have to be more creative about it. So, you know, it's not like we tapered off any of our programs. We just change them to fit with the times. So before COVID happened, everything was in person. Basically, basically everything was in person. Then COVID happened and then everything we did went virtual, just like the rest of the world. So we have Sunday Circle, which is our kids club for kids, you know, club for kids and volunteers. They would come for two hours and do play dough and baking and art and music and two, you know, hours of fun. They did that in person. But then when, when COVID happened, we moved that program virtually. So it was all the same kids, all the same volunteers, but they were on Zoom. And we have to be creative and come up with ways to keep it very interactive. Because remember, we're not here to like have the kids come on and do a show for them. We want to build relationships, build connections, right? Create a community. So the way we've done that is, you know, a lot of people hate on Zoom. I love Zoom. I, I think it's a, a great opportunity to be creative, 
So through breakout rooms and sharing screen and having different volunteers lead different parts of it and people introducing their pets and doing show and tell, all these sorts of things, we're able to keep it very interactive. And that's just an example of our kids program, but we did the same thing for our teen program with a little bit more age appropriate activities, art projects, baking projects, you know, TikTok competition, whatever. And then with our young adults, the same thing every week, a Zoom event, talent night, music night, uh, game night. And, and so that's what we did when COVID happened. We went virtual. Then September came, schools started opening up in person again. People were coming back to the city. And so we started doing outdoor in-person programs. And so we did Sunday Circle, not on Zoom, not indoors. We did Sunday Circle in the park. Um, and it was wonderful. People were so happy to be back in person. They were so happy to see their friends. You know, we took a lot of precautions, you know, and some people still didn't feel comfortable and that's okay. You know, anyone that felt like they were desperate, so many people were desperate for their kids to have something in person, you know, especially the special needs kids really regressed during this, this pandemic because they didn't have school. They didn't have their therapies. Many of them can't really glean anything from the Zoom Zooms. They just don't have the attention span or it doesn't work for them. So the in-person is so important for the special needs community. So we really, as long as we could, we tried to do it outdoors, in-person, safely, as safe as we could with temperature checking everyone and uh, social distancing and pods, et cetera. Masks, of course. So we did uh, outdoor in-person. And then um, now, then when it got cold again, we went back to Zoom and I forgot to mention, we also do did started a initiative called the Care Project, where we've been sending out care packages every month, just to let the families know that we're thinking of them and that, you know, we haven't for you know, we love you. <laughs> it's great that you guys have been able to pivot with any circumstances in your way and really adjust accordingly. I'm sure volunteers and those who receive the care packages and are recipients of the great work you guys do appreciate the constant connection and that they were able to stay in touch with you guys. Because we were talking about volunteers, what are the different ways people can get involved in Friendship Circle? And how can a person with special needs join the Friendship Circle community? So anybody can join. The process is pretty simple. It's on our website, friendshipcircleNYC.org. You basically apply, you send an application form. It's all on the, on the website. And then once a person applies, we meet with them. Every single person that joins, we meet with so that we can sort of talk about what they want to gain out of the program, tell them more, and try to find the opportunity that's the best fit for them. Whether they're a volunteer or a family, whoever's joining, we meet with everyone to like try to make it a personalized experience. And a volunteer has various volunteer opportunities and they can choose which one they want to do, which depending on you know their schedule many times or their interest. And the kids can also pick whichever programs they want to join. And then once we meet and you're in the system, we keep in touch with you and let you know everything that's going on, you know, straight to your email. So nice that you have such a large outreach and that it's so accessible for people to join. I know that Friendship Circle at large is a larger organization. 
What is the connection between the friendship circle on the Upper East Side and other friendship circles around the U.S.? I know there are many and that it is a larger umbrella organization. Do you do any work together or do you each operate individually? Yes. So just to give you a little bit of history, Friendship Circle was started in 1994 in Michigan. There was actually a Chabad rabbi and his wife that identified this community that was left behind and that didn't really have any connection to the mainstream community. So they started Friendship Circle in Michigan, which is today one of the biggest friendship circles in the world as the founding Friendship Circle. And it was such a hit. It was filling such a need. It was so important. It took off. So after that, many friendship circles, you know, started opening. And, you know, it was really a grassroots organization. And now there is over 80 chapters worldwide in places that would probably surprise you. There's a friendship circle in Jerusalem. There's a friendship circle in South Africa. There's a friendship circle in Melbourne, in Sydney, and in many major cities in the U.S. And what's interesting is that we all share, you know, branding and we share mission statement and we share many of the same programs. You know, if you go to different friendship circles, you'll see that they have very similar programs, but each friendship circle is completely independent financially and program wise. And the reason that's interesting is, and what I think it's sort of the best of both is because on the one hand you have name recognition and a, a very large reach, you know, I can't even tell you how many volunteers volunteered as a teenager in one of the states, and then they moved to New York as a young adult, and they wanted to continue volunteering, and they found the New York City chapter. So in terms of the broadness of our reach, it, it's wonderful. But at the same time, we're each independent. And the reason that's so wonderful is because let's say you have a central office funding a bunch of branches of an organization. You never really find out if there's a need in each community for that branch. By us, because each branch is independent financially, we need to raise the money from the community for our, for our mission, for our organization. And when you can raise money and when you can get support from the community, you can see that it's something the community really needs. As opposed to if you have an office somewhere funding, they say, oh, I want a friendship circle here, I want a friendship circle there. You never really know if the community needs it, you know, enough to like support it and the extent of it. So that's been amazing. How connected are we? We're very close. Oh, I know all of the direct, most of the directors very well. We're all on a chat together. We're constantly sharing ideas. At least once a year, we have some sort of organized conference, but most of the time, and, and those are so incredible because we're able to really tell each other what worked, what didn't work. You know, we share ideas, we help each other, we find support with each other. You know, especially the French service in the tri-state area, we're very close. They're some of my very personally close friends and it's a wonderful network. So thank God blessed. I did not know that Friendship Circle had such a large outreach outside of the U.S. It's so amazing to see that their mission carries on in other countries and even other continents. And with regards to that meeting you mentioned, it sounds like that's such a great place to really learn from others and such a stimulating environment because you're surrounded by other like-minded people who are looking to make change in the same field as you are. 100%. So I know that both you and your husband run this organization. Can you tell me, please, what role each of you play within the organization? Do you guys both do the same things? Does one of you tackle one part over the other? 
So if we're going to put it down to like, like uh, titles, I would say my husband is probably like the CEO and I am the COO, chief operating officer. And then we have this um, woman who's been with us from the beginning, who is our CFO. But of course we work very closely and all important organizational decisions we make together. But in terms of on the ground, I'm definitely way more involved with the actual programs and planning of the programs and, you know, everything like that. And he's more involved with the big relationships and the, and the um, financials, et cetera. It must be nice getting to work with your husband. That's not something you hear all the time. It's a unique experience, I'm sure. It's actually challenging, believe it or not. When we first started working together, I would have, you know, if you would have asked me the question of your biggest challenge a few years ago, I would have definitely said working with my husband. But now we've reached a point where, thank God, we've worked it out. But the thing that's challenging is, you know, you play one role at work. You know, you need to be one kind of person, right? A little more like a hustler. And then at, in your marriage, you need to be a little more gentle and empathetic. So I think that finding that balance was tricky. But now I, I think it's I think the, the pros outweigh the cons, for sure. I'm sure you see so many amazing interactions between the participants and volunteers on the daily. But could you please share one specific story of a time when you saw Friendship Circle's work come to life? Yes, definitely. So when I see volunteers and participants or people in the community hanging out together and I see maybe pictures of them on Facebook, they went to see a game together, or they just mentioned to me casually that they went out last week or they bumped into each other. That for me brings it to life. Like, you know, we're creating that environment. We're, we're creating the connections. We're like the facilitators. But at the end of the day, we're trying to create a community. So when I see that community being created without us, like when it just happened, but it wasn't like they came to the Friendship Circle event at three o'clock, you know, when I see that they, they have the relationship that is going so beyond Friendship Circle, they might not even remember that they met through us. That's the best. That's really when I see it come to life. I'm sure it's great to see volunteers come together outside of the organized activities that you guys offer. Yeah, definitely. And lastly, what advice would you give to anyone looking to pursue social justice for a specific minority? I love this question. My advice would be to stay far away from a victim mentality. I hear it a lot. I see it a lot nowadays. We feel so bad for this one. We feel so bad for that one. You know, or you're, you're stuck in a situation. Everything that we do, everything I believe in is that you're never stuck. You can always make improvements. You could always make change to your, for, that will improve your circumstances. And I think our job as a community is to see the best in others and to show others the best in themselves. Let others see the best in themselves. I think of victim mentality, when, especially when it comes to minorities, you know, it's a big narrative when it comes to minorities that they have no choice. They're like this. So, so sad. I think it's a damaging mentality. I think, you know, everything that we do is to show people that you have a divine mission. You have a purpose. You can change. You're capable of doing better, of being better. You know, our, we as a community, we should help, you know, and, and that's not to say that people don't have challenging circumstances or that some people have more challenging circumstances than other people. Of course, that's the case. But the victim mentality is only going to dig a person deeper into their 
challenge instead of lifting the person out. And so anyone working with minorities, my advice is go with an empowering, empowering standpoint that we can change. I can help you change. I'll be here for you. You can change. You don't have to be stuck. You can always make improvements. You can always, you can always make your situation better by taking positive steps. You have the power. Every single one of us has a piece of us that can, that has, you know, we have choices. We have the ability to make change in our own life and to help others. And we should, we should run with that. We should, we should help each other instead of keeping each other down or keeping ourselves down. You know, you know, we just like you don't want to believe the voice in your own head that I'm, I'm nothing. I can't do anything. I'm not, you know, I'm not worth anything. You shouldn't think that about others and you shouldn't think that about yourself. You can do so much, you know, you can grow so much. We can, we can, we can really change ourselves and change the world um, with a positive outlook. Thank you so much for that insightful perspective. I know that my listeners and I will for sure take that advice and bring it into our daily lives with us. Mrs. Gottnick, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It was truly a pleasure to get to speak with you and learn about the amazing work Friendship Circle on the Upper East Side of Manhattan does for the special needs community. Thank you so much, Gabby, for having me. It was really a pleasure to speak with you. And thank you to all of my listeners for tuning into this episode of the Minority Report. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at The Minority Report 2020. And lastly, stay tuned for future episodes.